Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. The following educational programming is brought to you by Access, the Alberta Educational Communications Corporation. The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door, songs and stories and so much more. Through the polka dot door, this is the time we always say, get ready, get set for Animal Day. People and pets get together and play, so come in the polka dot way. Simon says do this, Simon says do this, Simon says do this, Simon says do that. I caught you. Oh, tiddlywinks. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Jerry and I are playing Simon Says. You can play along with us. When Jerry says, Simon Says, do this, we do. Do you have a moose near the caboose that needs to be tamed? I'm talking hairy, big, and need some support. Thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Baluda! Did you hear that? That's your moose asking for Manscaped. Manscaped engineering team just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 3.0. The premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of this collection. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing. Plus, when your girl sees this logo, she knows she's got a real Manscaped man. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keepers 
is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. And welcome to yet another episode of Habs Unfiltered. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Treg the Villain Wilson. Peace. And this week we have special guest, James Roberts, host of the Rival Offside Hockey Talk. Welcome, What's James. What's happening, boys? What's happening? Oh, you know, we're just uh, doing the usual Habs thing where we make fun of the Bruins, the Leafs. That's all right. I'll take it a little bit, but I'll give it just as bad as I get it. Con- convert Leaf fans to Hab fans. It's usually Not right. a goddamn chance. I moved to the <laughs> East Coast and everybody tried. It didn't work. I can't cheer for a toilet seat. Sorry, boys. We've got to sit on something before we wipe our butts with the Leaf. Oh. Well, listen here. Any logo that's a toilet seat and has a CH in it for crap here, i got to say, you got to keep it your whoa, side. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't compare the team to the beer. That's fucking mean. <laughs> Listen, they're on par. <laughs> At least we have a beer. Ooh, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> Guy is blue, clouds are white, even God's a leaf. They still can't be past the first round. Yeah. That's all right. Don't worry. It's coming. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's coming. Don't worry. We'll get into this later on. I'm sure you guys want to talk about your uh, – illustrious moves this off season so now we did that last week it's all right i'm still gonna touch on it this week <laughs> we can talk about how slow you guys got hey you know what oh. slow but i don't know if thornton still got some hands simmons can throw some bones finally someone who can do it i'll take it if he plays simmons well, been injury playing the last two years i'll say well, this though you, you look at a guy like simmons look at all the time he's had off to finally heal though you know if you know Bumps and bruises, scrapes, broken bones, all those different things. And I can say the same thing about you guys. You guys went and got Josh Anderson, and everybody's shitting on the fact that you guys got him. But at the same time, he's had all this time to heal and get better and be ready to go. So I think he's going to be a little bit of a force. I still don't understand why everyone's – listen, I think Simmons was, wasn't a bad signing for you guys. Uh, I don't think Thornton was a good signing for you guys, but that's just me. Um I don't understand why everyone's shitting on Anderson. Anderson every year got better with Columbus. He was he scored 27 goals in the third line playing with Foligno and Jenner. And uh, he gets one injury, and everyone all everyone looks at is, well, he only scored four points, one goal. Well, yeah, well, he's hurt all year. Here's the thing, though, and I'll say this. I'll be well, the first one as a Leaf fan to say, yes, Montreal did some upgrades. Yes, they're going to be a better team. But the problem is with all the upgrades, everyone comes with an if – if Anderson is healthy, if Edmondson can keep his play up with more elevated minutes, if Toffoli can keep the pace he had with Vancouver, if Carey Price can be the Carey Price of old, if Shea Weber can beat Father Time, if all those if fall into place, you guys will be great. 
But those ifs are the problem. Those are the things that I think that may hinder you guys. And like I just said, I'm not going to crap all over Anderson. I think he's a great pickup. I wanted him on the Leafs. But at the same time, it's another if situation, if he's healthy. Well, right? the, way I, the way I see it, though, every team before every season faces the ifs. Every team's like that. Every player is like that because Toronto's looking at if Matthews can step up his game, if Tavares can keep it going, if this, if this, if this. If so, Morgan Riley can come back and to the way he was before he got hurt. If, yeah, if, but I think with the thing with Morgan Riley was Tyson Berry. It was the problem. They are giving Tyson Berry yeah. his minutes on the power play, took away his cookies. It would frustrate any guy who came off a 72-point season mm-hmm. to basically play backburner. They did the same thing to James Reimer. James Reimer got you to the playoffs that one year. You brought in Jonathan Bernier. You know, what yeah. does it do to a guy's psyche when you say, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to go get better. We, we can find a better guy than you. Get out of here. Which kind of brings me to a point that I'd like to make about Wayne Simmons. I mean, getting Wayne Simmons, I thought was a good move for Toronto. They didn't pay much for him. He's going to bring what they need, which is a little bit of grit. But the problem I saw, they got him, but they didn't keep Clifford. So they didn't really add. They just kind of held on. Well, my thoughts with that is Joe Thornton isn't the Joe Thornton that you see, you know, of old. You know, he's going to pass the puck. He may be a second power play guy, whatever. But he's been a guy that's kind of got a little bit of an angry bee under his bonnet with messing with guys. And you saw it last year with sitting a few boys down and stuff like that. So maybe he's just going to be in there, that grumpy old man on the back end. And him and Simmons might just go wreck havoc for a little bit. And if you're playing a guy 10 minutes a night, then you probably can keep that pace for the season. Same thing with Simmons. You know, the thing with the Leafs are they have players that can figure it out physically. You look at a Jake Muzzin. You look at a player like Zach Hyman, who's mixed it up. But the problem with having Zach Hyman and Jake Muzzin is they tried to bring other guys into the fight. Now you'll have a Thornton out there that'll lead the guys into that fray. You'll have a Simmons out there. They'll draw the line in the sand and say, boys, come cross this with me. You know, I have your back. You know, it's not just Hyman out there scrapping or Muzzin, which are key parts to your team. You have guys that you brought in to do a specific job. And Clifford, the problem with him was, yeah, we didn't keep him, but at the same time it would have cost us a draft pick plus the salary. You know, so I think that was a little bit too rich for Toronto's blood. Now, do you feel that they've actually improved the team over last year, or have they just kind of held on to what they would have probably been? That's a layered question, but I'll say uh, for for the regular season, I don't think they took a step forward. For the postseason, I think they took major steps forward. They addressed what they needed for toughness, for leadership, for different things in that regard. But in the the it's what you guys we just talked about the ifs from Montreal. So now you have these players that are older, can they produce? And if they produce through the season, then you're throwing in guys like Nick Robertson, which is a high-skilled player. But if he's able to crack the lineup, if he's able to produce, you know, the ifs are there for them too. But if you say regular season, I think they take a couple steps back. But postseason, I think they added what they needed, which is leadership and a little bit of snarl in the lineup. So having said that, then James, if you think they took a couple steps back for the regular season – you got to remember, they were only three points from not making the playoffs last season. Mind yeah, they, I'll tell you. You go ahead. Go ahead. And so what I'm asking is, I mean, yes, we're going to have a Canadian vision, and I think the Canadian vision. If we want to, do we want to get into that now, or do we want to? Yeah, hold jump it? into it now. Uh, I think I the Canadian vision is going to be very, very tight. I don't think anyone's going to run away with it. I really don't. Calgary's a much better team. Montreal's a much better team. Toronto, like you said kind of regress for regular season. And I agree. I think they did get better for a postseason run. 
They got tougher. They got stronger. They got the guys they needed to push other people around so that Matthews and Tavares and Marner can do their thing. Uh, but having said that, having been in a tougher group, could Toronto possibly not make it to the playoffs to use that? I, and don't get, I'm not saying Toronto won't. I do think Toronto should be in the top three of this division, like Canadian division or whatever division they're in. I, I do feel that their yep. top six is just too good to sit there and say, no, they're going to tank. But it, and this is a what if, like the ifs we're talking about. Calgary's improved. Uh, Montreal's improved. Edmonton's good. Winnipeg is good. Vancouver, I think, got worse. But Vancouver's here, you know, could it possibly, you know, is that regression the regular season going to hurt them for their playoff chances, especially in a Canadian division? Um, you know, I'll answer one thing you said about the last season, you know, missing the playoffs almost by three points. You got to remember, every season – for the past three years, there's been some sort of dark cloud over the, unit, the organization. You bring in John Tavares, it's supposed to be hallelujah, the hometown boy comes back. You have the William Nylander contract controversy. Then the next season, you have Mitch Marner hanging over their heads. Then you have the Babcock situation. Now Babcock's gone. Now all the dark clouds are gone. The guys are signed. Everybody's ready to rock and roll. I think this year you finally see the Leaf team that was supposed to be when Tavares showed up. And you have Brody on the back end. Who knows his role? You have Riley, like we just talked about, who's going to want to get back to form because he's going to want to get paid. You saw what happened to Tyson Berry not getting paid. So you know in this landscape where the cap is flat, he's going to want to come out and make sure he has a good year this year and next year. And same thing with Freddie Anderson. He's playing for a contract too. So I think the Leafs will be number two in the division. And I said I'd shock you guys. I think Calgary is going to be number one. And I think they're going to be leaps and bounds away from everyone. They address their goaltending. They added Tanev on the back end. Now you have that goaltending, which was your big problem, your big question mark in Calgary. You have someone in net. Now, obviously, we go with the if again. If Markstrom is the guy that he was in Vancouver, which there's no reason he shouldn't be with a stronger team, I think, in Calgary, then Calgary will be the leader of this division, I think. And I think it goes Toronto, and then I think it goes Montreal, and after that's a crapshoot. I think Ottawa might even be in the mix, too. I have the same whoa, top whoa, three whoa. as you. Are you drinking right now? Who, Ottawa me? didn't prove. <laughs> Ottawa didn't prove in any Canadian Listen, You got Matt Murray who wants to, you know, show his game, and then at the same time, you go and add players around him. You got a Nemestikov. You got uh, what was the other guy you signed? Was it Dadinov? Yeah. yeah. That you signed. So you've added players, then you have all these young guys like a Tchuk, and then you have um, on the back end. Why can't I think of his name? He's the Shabbat. Shabbat. There you go. You have players on that squad, right? That want to take that next step. Now, if Eugene Melnick lets them grow, I don't know. You know, that guy throws wrenches into everything. So it's been too happy and too nice in Ottawa for things to keep going positively. So maybe you guys are right, but I think they might take a step. So for me, for Ottawa, I don't necessarily think they're going to do very well, but I believe they're going to make some games close just based off the the games that they have. They have a lineup right now that's going to that's going to grind with you. They went out. They got much bigger. Yep. They they have guys like Austin Watson now. They've got Brady Chuchuk. They've got see Batherson that's probably going to make that jump. You went out and you got Eric Goodbranson on your back end, and then they addressed their goaltending. So they didn't necessarily go out and get, you know, 40, 50 goal scorers and all these top end talent, but they did go out and make themselves much harder to play against. Well, you look at a team like Columbus. 
same kind of makeup. No superstars, no guys that will get you 40 or 50 goals, but you have guys that can collectively make you a push and collectively will run through a wall for one another. So if Ottawa can get in that same kind of mentality and lean on the Shabbats and the Tichucks and those players that you know who can put the puck in the net and then a Dadnoff who knows how to put the puck in the net as well, I mean, you might be able to surprise some teams, especially when everybody writes you off. That's when things happen. There's a lot of what ifs towards that team as well as we've brought it up with the other teams. And mine is going to be Matt Murray. Can he bounce back and be the be the guy that he was when he was playing in the playoffs for Pittsburgh? If he was, or if he does return to that level, then this could be a team that could, uh, in a shortened season more than likely, in a Canadian division, this is a guy that can definitely steal some games for him. Yeah, I definitely look at a, a Matt Murray wanting to bounce back. And I don't know if it was because in uh, Pittsburgh there was so much talk about DeSmith and Jari. And obviously when he started it was with Fleury. So every time he had someone to battle with and maybe he just didn't feel comfortable in his crease. And we all know between the years is the most important part for a goaltender. So, you know, you go to Ottawa and you are the one guy. You are everything that they're betting on. So maybe that might be good for his psyche. Maybe that's what he needs is to be the guy and not have anybody nipping at his heels. And- Especially with the contract he signed. To sign a four-year deal, you're making 6.2 uh, or 6.25, and you're the odd man out on the team that you just left. Yeah, that's a, it. Was a little rich for my blood, but as I said, like he's he's won cups. He's been he's been there. Yes, obviously he was playing with guys like Crosby and Malkin and all them. Obviously they're going to help you. Uh, they're going to help you win. But um, if he goes into this Ottawa team, that's mostly a young team with some grit and he can point them in the right direction, as I said, they can probably take some me- meaningful points. They might end up being the Detroit of what Montreal to, to Montreal last year, right? Like they, they were just a team. They're, they're going to be a team that's just going to be a pain in your ass. And obviously yes. they've got Alex Galchenyuk. I was going to say, I'm sorry, sorry, man. I didn't even cut you off. I wanted to get this up before I lost it. Obviously you have to remember for Matt Murray too, his father passed away. Yes. So you're, you're dealing right. with that as a mental thing. And that's a yeah. huge mental hurdle to get over. And, you know, I lost my mom, you know, and so when the year mark hit, which was in November of this year, I don't know why, but it just felt like a weight was lifted off me. It felt like you passed all the milestones of different celebrations that you would do with a family member. And you've gone through that cycle once. So maybe that might be something that is good for him. I don't know how long it's been for him, but, you know, fresh start, fresh place, fast faces, all those different things that might help him too. Very much so. I completely agree. Now, I got to agree with James. I have the same top three. Calgary, Toronto, Montreal is the top three in the division. I think Edmonton's goaltending is what's going to be their downfall. Mm -hmm. I think their defense, especially now with Clef Boom and uh, I think one other guy injured. Uh, Larson? Or is Larson back? Anyway, uh, I think uh, Edmonton's going to spin their – especially in a shortened season, they're going to spin their tires, and uh, I don't think they're going to get much traction. McDavid's gone, man. I don't uh, care what anybody says. He put that clock on. Elliot Friedman said it two seasons ago. I mean, last season, they upgraded a little bit. Holland did some things. I think I think McDavid's gone. I think he's going to ask out after this, this shortened season. I don't think it's going to be Toronto like everybody <laughs> so don't, don't Don't jump on that wagon. Everybody sees Austin Matthews and McDavid skating together, and they're, they're getting all their dreams together and all the wish lists of, hey, this is what a trade will look like. I think he'll go somewhere. I don't think it'll be Toronto, obviously, but I think he's going to want out of Edmonton. Well, why not Toronto? They they need more $10 million-plus players. Colorado. If you're shipping John Tavares over the other way, why not? 
Colorado. I can see him going I, to Colorado. Yep. Him and Nate McKinnon. Why yeah. not? And and they have the money if they need to, to bring him in. So it's a perfect fit. Speaking of Edmonton, I'll touch on what you said, Treg, is their goaltending is probably going to be their downfall. Is Terrible. They mm-hmm. had the opportunity to go out, and there was a very big goaltending market this year, and they just said, well, stick, you know, status quo. Um, they did they did improve their offense. So they should they, – I, I, in my knowledge – or to my knowledge, it really looks like they're going to continue using Drysdale as a winger. For well, Drysdale go, played more center last year than he did wing. But for them to go out and get Turris – yeah, Pulleyarvi came back, and who knows how he's going to play? You've got uh, Nugent Hopkins, also a center, who also played a little bit of wing, etc. I think their offense. I think their offense got better. Their defense pretty much status quo, and then they add Barry. So Barry can give you points on the power play. That's pretty much it. He's pretty much a fourth forward when it comes to five on five. But they lost Clefbaum. But imagine that defense, though. If Clefbaum Larson, Nurse, and Barry. Imagine they're all healthy and ready to go. That's a sick defense. It is. If they're all on the ice and healthy, that is amazing. Yeah. That is a top four to look at and say, okay, Clefbaum will give you points and a problem. Darnell Nurse is a guy you he's don't a, want to go in the corner he's with. He's a beast for sure. And then you have Adam Larson, which we all know he can play a definite awesome two-way defender style. And then you go and throw in a Tyson Barry, quarterback your power play for you. I mean, he's lost in his own end, but you know, at the same time, you need that quarterback power play guy, and he's there, and he's definitely going to get his cookies with McDavid and Dreisaitl. But, you know, if all those guys are healthy, we're talking about it completely differently. But to touch on the goaltending like you guys talked about, they felt they had a deal with Markstrom. That's why they didn't do anything else. If you listen to Merrick and Friedman and all those guys, they thought they had a deal done, you know, with Markstrom, and that's why they didn't pursue anybody else. And then obviously he went to Calgary. So you're left to, you know, the odd man out at the dance. So you bring back the guy that nobody wanted you to bring back. Well, and to even me, the trade market was there too. Well, to me, that's kind of bad GMing. Like you shouldn't throw all your eggs in one basket. If he's toying between two teams, you should have a plan B somewhere, in my opinion, right? And so, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Kenny Holland because <clears throat> we all saw what he did in Detroit, but we also saw what he didn't do in Detroit after <laughs> So, you know, praising Kenny Holland to me, to me, the only difference between Kenny Holland and David Poyle is Kenny Holland's won cups. Yep. Really? Yep. You know, not to get, not to get too, too off topic with obviously talking about Ken Holland and everything, but I think Detroit's big downfall was the injuries that they've had over the years to their big ass. They're really big star players. You look at Franzen, who is a huge playoff performer for them. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Then you've got Zetterberg all of a sudden gone. You got Datsuk that leaves. Those are your, those are your three just gigantic players to yeah, that. But they franchise. never replaced them. They never that's, put that's, any, that's exactly a plan it. in motion. Holland that's never exactly put a plan it. in motion to replace these guys. That's right. It's not like they all of a sudden just retired. They that's right. played their career. So we've seen lately that they've drafted a little bit better. You're going to have guys like Zidina jump in. You're going to have Sider jump in. You got Lucas Raymond, etc. They're they're getting there. But when you lose, say Datsuk and uh, Datsuk and Zetterberg within a, a year or so of each other, any team's going to take a kick in for that. Throw a little uh, side note in on Datsuk: uh, 21 points in 20 games in the KHL. 
yeah. lighting it on fire right now. Yeah. Forty-two years old. He's yeah, Kovalchuk was lighting it on fire in the KHL too, and he came back to the NHL and nothing. Hey, man, you guys loved him in Montreal. Don't even lie. You guys love every Montreal <laughs> fan. All I can hear about Kovalchuk this and Kovalchuk won us that. Kovalchuk, he's gonna come. I back will go on record you know saying I was not. I liked him there, but I said he. I don't want him to come back. I was the first. I think he's still coming back. In the games that he was a difference maker, yes, he was really fun to watch. Like I, like he scored that big goal against the Leafs, and everyone just fell in love with the guy. The New Jersey goal, the overtime uh, goal in New Jersey, where he did the yep. old uh, shh when he skated by. But he did nothing in his last thirteen games. Absolutely Russian nothing. Syndrome. Russian syndrome. So. You guys had it with Kovalev too. I love Kovalev. Don't ever talk bad about Kovalev. Listen, you can't. You cannot lie about Kovalev. When he turned it on, best player on the ice. But when he didn't, where's Kovalev? He didn't have Kovalev. to turn it on. He got eighty points. But he only played twenty games. Just ask Darcy Tucker how he thinks of Kovalev. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, same thing with Semin. You know, you look at some of those guys, right? When they turn it on, they want to be the best player on the ice. They will be, but I don't know. Semin, a lot of rough, unfortunately. They, they misuse Semin. Semin was more of an enforcer. Just look at his fights. Pac and Emmy's the enforcer. Oh, Jesus, a beast. He, he, he put Hag on his ass. Or... <laughs> Almost shocked himself doing it. Still did. Same, thing, same thing with Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews got that big frame, and I think it was a Florida guy. He sat down, and he looked at him like, did I do that? Is that me? Kind of skated away, like shocked. Matthew's oh my through. god! I hit someone that's not a security guard. <laughs> did he have Listen. his pants? Did he have his pants up when he did it? <laughs> no, actually, they were on his ankles. I, I think it, I think it's funny. There was a joke running around, and I shouldn't laugh at this, but there's a what was it? Ryan O'Reilly drives through a Tim Hortons drunk, gets nothing. Austin Matthews shows a security guard his boxers. He's arrested and thrown around like he's fucking the worst person in the world. No one ever talks about the Ryan O'Reilly thing or the Patty Kane thing, you know? Because so, he drove into a Tim Hortons. It's a pretty standard Canadian thing to do, right? So <laughs> When they said drive-through, they didn't mean drive-through. Yeah, they just, they just heard, they just heard uh, Tim Hortons, and they're like, you can get hockey cards there now. And then they just moved on, right? That was it. Wow. Just going for his own. When Habs fans started chirping uh, Matthews, I did say, hey, guys, we just signed a guy by the name of Nick Cousins. Check out his background yeah. before you start chirping. <laughs> well, it's the thing. Nobody does any of the background looking. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're going on right now over here, and you guys probably heard this about uh, Sir John A. McDonald High School yeah. or the, whatever school it is. They want to change the name of it because of stuff he did way back when, which is stuff you can read in history, but everybody just figured it out now. Yeah, It's been yeah. there all along, right? It's the same thing about Nick Cousins or Austin Matthews or anybody else who's done something dumb. You know, that stupid kid in Phoenix that got drafted in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, don't go there. That's yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. That guy right there, I don't care what he says or what he does. You apologize to all 31 potential employers. You apologize to your agent, to your family, but you did not say one word to the person you bullied or his family. The person you just said something to first, you're a piece of garbage. You're trash. I'm sorry. And everybody says, oh, he can redeem himself. He can redeem himself. Well, why didn't he apologize first? The other kid did. Why didn't he make amends there first before making amends with 31 potential employers that were going to draft him? 
he, you know, there's uh, a reason why a lot of people came up. through his lawyer after he got uh, and shit. Oh no, he <laughs> he tortured the kid for a couple more years after he got shit. I think it was two more years he bullied the kid till he until he moved away. Wow, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, no, it's the thing. You could dig up anybody's history, right? We all got Let's skeletons. Listen, we're trying history. to be honest here. <laughs> I'm it's perfect. It's a sordid, sordid history. What happens on deployment stays on deployment's plane. <laughs> there, that's the truth right there. Report rigor runs. <laughs> anyway. Well, By the way, boys, the, the coffee's tasting real good tonight. Mm. Oh, yeah? What kind of rum you put in it? Uh, East Coast specialty stuff. I don't know. It's just <laughs> coffee. Coffee. So, James, we're going to get into something else. Uh, being a Leafs fan, and we all know how most Leaf writers and most Leaf uh, people are utmost highly respectable. Editor and Leaf brought out a couple articles uh, this week. One saying how Montreal got bad. So bad, in fact, that they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in a Canadian division. Uh, and that uh, Tyson Berry's just as good as John Carlson. So uh, what is a Leafs fan's perspective to tell Habs fans? Because we all know editor and Leafs just a giant troll that has a platform to th- spew his stuff out on. Uh, what are Leafs fans or your thoughts on, say, a Leaf person like that or a leaf uh fan site like what edder and leaf does well first i'll say this is um basically our august for the off season so when you own a site or when you own anything that needs clicks or articles or whatever what do you do you do the most outrageous titles and outrageous things you can think of and stand by your state that's what he's done um i'll tell you right now tyson berry carlson no Maybe if Sheldon Keefe was the coach all season long and Tyson Berry led the power play and was this great player on defense as well and was a heart and soul guy, but he wasn't. He wasn't what he was in Colorado. He wasn't what he was, you know, that we thought we were going to get two years ago when we wanted to trade for him or many years ago when that deal was apparently on the table. So, no, I mean, you look at when you do those kind of articles, you're only doing it for one reason. It's like you said, it's to be a troll. It's to draw, you know, all this conversation and get clicks and have fan bases riled up and battle each other. That's all. He's, it's like Elliot Freeman says when he drops those, like, one-line things about a trade. He drops it and walks away because everybody reacts and everybody clicks and everybody talks about it, and it blows up to this big thing, and he comes back and finishes it off. This is what this is right here. This is just someone trolling, watching the masses go at it for no reason because obviously we all know Barry and Carlson, not the same level period. No chance. And then I told you guys already, the Montreal Canadiens, I think they have taken a step forward, but there's a lot of ifs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you take those ifs, and if they all pan out, or even half of them pan out, if Carey Price is Carey Price, Josh Anderson steps up, Kakenyemi and Suzuki play up to half of what they're expected to, because they are still developing, you guys got a solid team. Toffoli could chip in and do what he needs to do. He'll have a solid year. Gallagher, as long as he doesn't get cross-checked by the giraffe named Char, he'll be okay. Char you retired. Know? No, he didn't retire. He, he will. He's done. Char's going I to hope. Pittsburgh, so he's I not going to play in the division anyway. 
stop it. <laughs> Leave that alone. But no, I, I look at those things and, you know, as a Leaf fan, I have, since I've done this show, I think I've looked at things a lot differently. I used to be rah, rah, homer, 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 but you have to look at things or what, for what they're worth. And I look at the Montreal Canadiens and it's bred in a Leaf fan not to like the Canadians, but at the same time, I'm not going to say a team didn't get better when they got better. It's, you know, it's not what you should do. And if you love your team the way you say you love your team, then you should welcome competition. And I've said it many times. You guys have probably heard it. My little videos or whatever I do or whatever I'm saying on the podcast, I want Montreal to be good because I want Toronto and Montreal to have that rivalry where both teams are on that higher level. It's no fun when they're both bottom feeders. It's no fun when one team is better than the other. So I want them to be good. I want them to do well. So when you get articles like that coming out, it's for one reason and one reason only. It's because someone's sight is suffering and they need clicks. And I'll say it outright, and I've had it out with Tanner before, and, you know, it feels like we've mended fences even though we haven't talked. But at the same time, if you're going to put out stuff like that, I mean, and then try to defend it, like you said earlier about cherry-picking stats, you can find any stat for any guy for anything, make up your own chart with different colors and Christmas lights and say this is why he's better than X, Y, and Z. You know, it doesn't serve the purpose. You all know that Carlson's better than Barry. We all know the Montreal Canadiens have taken a step forward with the players that they've added. They've addressed their needs, which is what a team should do in the offseason. And if you want to chirp about a backup goaltender being too expensive, highly fans, we haven't had a backup goaltender in how long since McElhaney left. Zero room to talk. We have Jack Campbell now, but that's only because we paid for it via trade. How much do you think you'd have to pay a guy like Jack Campbell? Probably the same as you made Jack Allen. So what are you chirping about? I don't know. I think it all needs to be settled on the ice. and I think we've been too far removed from actually having tangible hockey to watch for long periods of time. That now it's all done via whatever. Twitter, social media, graph, pie chart, you know, leftovers. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got their argument now, and it's not done by watching the teams or actual play. It's all done by, well, this is what they did in, you know, 2019 or 2017 or 2012. You know, it's it's nothing new and relevant. It's all this is what could be or has been. So, so Victor Mete having four goals and Morgan Riley having two makes no difference whatsoever. Does it make Victor Mete better than Morgan Riley? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, listen, I mean, Victor Mete, I mean – If you were to say, I mean, if he played on a Tuesday night with the lights just right, he he could have four more goals than Morgan Riley, but we don't always play on Tuesday nights with the lights just right. So, In my opinion, Victor Mette can play any night and is still a shitty player. But anyway, that's just my opinion. (laughs) No, but honestly, you, you have to look at it. I mean, so many people go with these stats and stuff like that, but at the same time, you can obviously see objectively who's a better player. It's like you said off the hop about, you know, about Brendan Gallagher and, and Austin Matthews. You know, same thing. You could find a stat where Brendan Gallagher is better than Austin Matthews, but is, is Brendan Gallagher better than Austin Matthews as a hockey player? No. no. But there are things that Brendan Gallagher brings that Austin Matthews doesn't. You know, the heart and the soul that Brendan Gallagher has, if you put that into Austin Matthews, that's a fucking beast. Sorry for swearing like that, but that's who he is. He we are unfiltered, James. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I don't know. A show yeah. with a bunch of sailors and an airman? Yeah, I think we're okay. I think you're okay. Hey, listen, listen, I don't know. You guys got sponsors. I don't want to rile anybody up. You know, <laughs> Our sponsors are ball shavers, so I think we're okay. <laughs> listen, hey, we, got, we got the same one over here. <laughs> Lawnmower 3.0. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, Shout out to Manscaped. 
And, and that's, that's, I think, the way you got to look at things when you take editor and leaf or you take anyone who kind of homers up what they're saying. They're looking for clicks. They're looking, they're looking at the fan side of thing, and you have to look at it. I can safely say that Toronto, on paper, is one of the best teams in the league. On paper. Yep. Because they are. You can't, you can't excuse Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Riley, and Nylander. That's five players right there that'll be the top of anyone's team. Anyone's I'll team. Th- I'll throw in Zach Hyman in there. I like uh, Zach. I won't, yet. I won't yet, but we'll see. But like I say, I don't follow the Leafs like you do. So I look at Hyman. I look at his stats. I look at whatever. I think, eh. He's no captain. Hyman's our watered-down version of Gallagher. He's a heart-and-soul guy. He'll drag guys into the fight. He'll pick you up some goals, and he'll battle. He won't score as many as Gallagher, but he's got that same heart is what I'm trying to say. He's, he's just a – Gallagher's just a more compact, compressed version. That's why it, it, he just shows more. Hyman, he's just so fucking tall, right? It's just stretched yeah. out further. That's why. So, I, I mean, however – I feel safe as a Montreal fan saying I think Montreal kind of has a more complete team than Toronto does from top to bottom. They don't have the elite players. More depth. They have a better top I think they have a better defense and they have better goaltending. Is that going to make them better than Toronto? I think Toronto stars outweigh that, to be honest with you. I think that's what puts Toronto above Montreal is they have the elite stars where Montreal just has a top – you know, they have players that can play it on anyone's top six, but they're not going to change the face of the team by themselves is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Now, um, we were talking about that troll editor in Leaf. I wanted to talk about the actual media, the real media in Toronto. In Montreal, the media in Montreal is, uh, you can compare them to vultures at times. They yep. see, they, you know, they smell blood in the water. There's sharks, they'll come in and, They'll go at it. And from what I've seen, I grew up in Ontario, so I've seen what Toronto media can do. But what's your point of view on how the media in Toronto treat the team? I have to tread carefully on this one because I like to have the media members on the show sometimes. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I had Jamie McCallan on, and, you know, he basically said the media is the hardest part. You know, you, you deal with the media. It's okay to deal with the fans. The fans are entitled to their opinion, but they're not, you know, at the time was only writing, but they're not the ones putting out the articles, the videos. They're not on TV. You know, it's all about these guys who are creating a narrative and that's what they need to do. And I talk about that with Nick Kiprios about the Nylander narrative. You know, you had to create a new narrative about Nylander the entire time he didn't sign a contract, whether it be his father, whether it be because he, he's from Sweden whether it's because he's soft, this, that, or the other stuff, you have to factor it all in. The media is the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing to do and deal with in Toronto or Montreal, Vancouver, any Canadian market, even Boston, Chicago, you name it, because they're so hyper-focused on their team. And it's the worst part about it because they don't treat the team fairly and they don't give the guys time to breathe. And that's why I like when Lou Lamorello was in Toronto because the younger guys weren't the ones going to the helm and having to talk every single night. It was the veterans. It was a Ron Hainsey or a Leo Komarov or a Matt Martin. It wasn't any of these guys who were going to be stars, and it wasn't the stars every night being trotted out there to talk to them. And the media is the hardest thing because they will rip you down, and it doesn't matter if you're playing well. They'll find some reason to crap all over you. And it just – and when Jamie Cowan said to me, he laid it out so, so plainly that there's still media members to this day that he'd like to get in a fist fight with you know, that he still hates 
you wouldn't name them on air, but you know, when we were done talking, just talking about how riled up they would get people, you know, and how much it bothered. You don't think it didn't bother Austin Matthews that Steve Simmons leaked his name about COVID-19. He was pissed. Why was so Steve was Simmons the first name that came to my mind when you said he wants to knock somebody out? <laughs> <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny, but it's just, um, you know, you look at the media members and you look at the ones who are respectable. Uh, you look at a Paul Hendrick or a Terry Koshan or a Lance Hornby, the, the ones who have been there for a long time that understand that, you know, you, you have to give space and you sometimes can't ask the hard questions. But I said this and I've long said it. I watched the UFC, and one thing I hate when the UFC does is interview a guy after he gets knocked out, choked out, etc. I think that's something you shouldn't do. I also think it's something you shouldn't do to players that are in the locker room after a game, after a tough game, whatever it is, because they're frustrated, and you're not going to get the answer you want out of them. And the thing you want for them to say is that soundbite, like Phil Kessel when he was pissed off about that question. Or John Tavares when he got snarky with a reporter. Or Mike Babcock when he got snarky with that lady who asked the question. That's what reporters want now, is they want that soundbite. They want that click. We just talked about trolls. The media is no better. They want that click. They want that thing for their website. So everybody goes there, and everybody expects it of them next time. So now you have this guy like Steve Simmons who wants to keep elevating things higher and higher with what he's saying and doing. So he's going to keep poking that bear because everybody's going after him, but his site clicks are going up, up, and up, and his bosses are probably loving it. So that's the way it goes in Toronto. Everybody wants the negative. Everybody wants the soundbite. So then you're going after players, and you're berating them and beating them down. And you wonder why, for the longest time, nobody wanted to come to Toronto. Nobody. And Brian Burke talked about it all the time, the fishbowl, the media fishbowl. It didn't matter what you did. You were screwed. In, so terms, of the, in terms of the Leafs, I think the worst thing that the media did to them was uh, when they lost in the playoffs. And then, you know, you have that, you have that picture of um, which time, Mar- like, well, the recent, the most recent time when you watch it <laughs> <laughs> during the COVID cup. Um, and you, you, you know, you've got Matthews there, you've got Marner there and you can tell that they don't want to be there. They don't yep. want to answer the questions. And the media kind of said, that's not enough. Yep. We need to, we need more. We need more. We need to attack another player or we need to, uh, we need more clicks. And they went after um, Frederick Anderson. Frederick Anderson was not the reason they lost that series. Oh man. Don't even. Right. And Frederick Anderson, Frederick Anderson had a nine thirty six save percentage in the playoffs. He played well. Yeah. Did he, did he have his, uh, did he have his, uh, times when he could have played a little bit better yes but so could have the rest of the team and you look at the the way that it ended they just they said oh let's go off we're not gonna we're not gonna chuck stones at we won't say nothing bad about Marner we won't say nothing bad about Matthews but we're gonna start saying goaltending's the issue when is it time to move Anderson and was Tavares really the player that we should have brought in. So, you know, you, you can't attack your players like that. And you, we know that it's going to happen and it's for clicks and it's for, it's for the sound bites, et cetera. But um, there's, there's a reason that some players don't want to go to certain markets. Yep. And, that, and, and that's one, and that's one of them. And listen, you talk about Anderson, that playoff series, and a lot of people put the fault on him with that Liam Foodie goal, which is the backbreaker, the one from the side of the net. But if you're Mark Marinson, 
and you're standing there like a deer 100%, in headlights. 100%. You dick didn't go after him, didn't attack him, didn't pressure him, didn't make him make a move. It was one-on-one, and Liam Foody beat him yep. to Anderson. And, you know, Anderson should have had the puck, yes, but why didn't Martin Marinson do anything? But nobody talked about Martin Marinson. That's right. Nobody talked about the fact that he did not engage Liam Foody in the quarter. And that drove me nuts. I said, well, how are you going to blame just Anderson when there's a defender there between him and the puck? And That's the right. That was, it was such nuts. a huge breakdown too. Like no, like nobody on the bench reacted. It was literally Anderson, Marinson, and Foodie. Those are and, the three guys. Those were the, that was the focus. And the puck and ended Anderson up in the net. Wore Anderson wore the whole thing. Absolutely. You know, if, if Marinson were to engage him physically at all, that play doesn't happen. That's right. He could have he could have just friggin' stood in front of him a little closer, and that play doesn't happen. But everybody hyper focused on Anderson letting the goal in, not the preceding play that happened. Your yeah. your defense, you know, you you talk to Gus Cascaros, and he says, you know, when your defense allows a shot, it's a failure on your defense because your defense is supposed to be preventative. Your goaltender is supposed to be your last line of defense. So you have a defender there who did absolutely nothing. But I guess everybody's tired of beating on Martin Marinson because he's not a sexy name. So you go after Freddie Anderson. You know, Anderson's, you go after Anderson's easier to spell than Marinson. That's probably why. <laughs> well, I mean, you talk about Marty Marinson, everybody says, ah, he's a scrub. He shouldn't have been on the ice anyways. That's what the way it goes. And then you say, well, you know, Anderson should have had that. He's your starting goaltender making XYZ money, you know. And I just go back to that. I, that's why I remember the play so vividly. and can tell you it was Liam Foody, even though, you know, you didn't see Liam Foody all the regular season or anything like that. I remember that play because I was just like, what the hell is he doing? Absolutely. And it infuriates you. But to go back to the original question about the, the media, they're, they're worse. They're, it's the worst thing in Toronto. Absolutely the worst. Because no matter what the team does, they find fault. And you have Hockey Central at noon talking about the Leafs. Obligate 15 minutes off of the hop. You have Leafs lunch. You have podcasts up to Ying Yang. You have Steve Dangle yelling into a camera until he's bloodshot in the face. So, I mean, you have all these things, right? And players may not consume the media themselves, but family members do. And we all know that. And that's where they hear it from. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I, I said it before, I think the media should have to be backed off. And I think it should be maybe just game day skates or whatever it is. It shouldn't be after a game. It shouldn't be right after shit happens. I don't think that's fair to anyone. You want their honest opinion, yeah. But at the same time, you want to chase a guy out of town because you want to ask him questions and, you know, beat him down over what he doesn't want to answer. Like you just said, I don't think it's right. I, I've never thought it's right, but I, I, guess I, just, uh, <laughs> I, I think in Toronto, there's two different types of media. <clears throat> there's the, before the season starts media that pumps the tires of Toronto up so much that people plan a parade down York street. And then there's the mid season end of playoffs or playoffs media who, when Toronto didn't get, you know, 140 points in the season and run away with the Stanley cup. They're like, Oh, what went wrong? What went wrong? Instead of addressing what could be wrong at the first of the season, say, Hey, yes, we're good here, but we're not good here. We're not, you know, like we're not the complete team. Everyone thinks we are, but like, for instance, I'll never forget the hockey news when you signed Tavares headline. It's not a matter of when it's a matter of how many you signed yep. one player to a terrible contract that you didn't need. You didn't need Tavares. You had Codre. Oh. You didn't need him. Am I, am I wrong in that one, James? You know what? I, I, I will say yes. I will say because at that point in time, who was the guy 
who is a guy to lead Matthews and Marner and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you need a guy like Tavares to wear the C to be the face for a while. Also, I think if Tavares didn't come home, you wouldn't have got a TJ Brody. You wouldn't have got a Wayne Simmons. You wouldn't have got a Joe Thornton. You wouldn't have got a Patty Marlowe. Uh, well, Patty Marlowe was there before, but a Jason Spezza. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He was that marquee guy that not only showed, you know, other players that, hey, you can go to your favorite team, but it showed that star players can move. You're able to do so. It's not the end of the world, you know? So, yeah, I think Toronto needed John Tavares at that time. I think they needed that player to put them over the edge offensively. And I know they had a lot of great players up front. I know we lost Kadri, but at the same time, I look at the one-two punch. What was Toronto's problem for absolutely years after Sundin left? You couldn't find a number one center for Toronto. Now we have two bona fide number one centers, and that's fine. And many teams have done things with high-end contracts. They fill out their bottom six a different way. I think Toronto needed Tavares at that time. It allowed people to say, hey, I can go to Toronto and it's not the end of the world. I can go to Toronto and the media's, as we just talked about, not going to eat me alive immediately. They will in three seasons, but not right off the hop. I'll get a two-season grace. But I think they needed that guy at the time. And I think he was uh, – I just said it jokingly to you guys, though, about sending him over to Edmonton for McDavid, you know. He served his purpose right now, and John Tavares is starting to look a little bit uh, worn in the face. Yeah, and, I mean, this media in Toronto – I remember when Clarkson showed up in Toronto, the the press runneth over themselves to, to pump his tires. Yeah. It, it, what I found it, it, with, uh, with the pandemic – the one upside to the pandemic hockey wise was it kind of even the playing field. It would, it didn't matter if you worked for Sportsnet or you ran your own independent blog. Yep. You had basically the same access to the, uh, the players. So this showed the type of uh, journalistic integrity that uh, a, an individual would have. It showed um, the creativity the, the, the writing skills, the video skills, podcasting skills, basically it didn't matter who you were. You're on the same, the same footing. And yep. we've, we've been able, we've been lucky to find quality individuals that you can follow for every single team because of this. So I, I know we don't do it. You don't do it with that bullshit editor and leaf garbage troll clickbait gar- uh, trash. And I think even though we don't get the traffic he does in those instances, in the long run, I think it's better for the sport and for individual teams and and the people pushing this, our own accounts, ourselves, it shows that we're better than that crap and people will eventually come and join us on the normal side. I mean... I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, Treg likes to troll these people, and it's funny. <laughs> it, I get entertained. It entertains yeah, me for it, the night. Like, I'm bored. And that's, I'm like, what, I'm, and that's I, what it should be. But people yeah. take social media to be actual real life sometimes. But I truly right. believe that uh, this James Tanner guy believes what he's saying. I truly believe he does. That's why I yeah. wonder if he's trolling yeah. or not. You know what? It's Like I said, it's, it's our August right now. Yeah. So he probably is drinking his own Kool-Aid and loving it, right? Sitting back, sipping on it. But like I said, just like you said about having fun for the night, same thing for him, right? These these articles, 
you got to go back and look at the entire history of what's on there and what, what they're putting up too. You know, I mean, there's, there's good guys over there. I think, uh, I think Ridgewell were at rights for them now. Um, yeah. you know, so I mean, yeah. I like you put some good articles. Yeah. You look at, um, who's another guy, um, Joe Cezito. He puts out good articles as well for them. You know, so there is good quality people over there that are writing the right way. And it, like I said to you earlier, it sucks to be under that masthead that this guy's, you know, trolling with. But at the same time, right now, this is their August. So they need the traffic for the site. Maybe XYZ sponsors said, hey, if you don't have XYZ clicks or whatever on your site, we're pulling out. You know, we don't know the back end of it. You know, and is it crap? Absolutely, it's crap. Absolutely, it's crap. But like you just said, Blaine, I think when you do it right and you hold yourself to, I'm not going to say a higher standard, a better standard, because I'm not better than anybody, but just a better standard to what you're trying to put out there. Yeah, well, people come, right? I mean, you look at your show, this show, you know, when you start have brand name guests come on your show, it shows that people, A, are listening, and B, you're doing it right. Because those people don't come. They're not on Editor and Leaf. You don't see them gracing their articles or being a part of it, unless it's Ridgewell, you know, because Ridgewell's got a good name for himself. But they're not there. So, I mean, if you're taking the right steps, you know, you'll sit down with a Nick Kiprios or you'll sit down with a Ken Reed or James Sabalski, you name it, they'll come over and sit down and talk to you. But if you troll and act like an arsehole, you're, you're not going to get anybody who wanting to talk to you of tangible needs. You're going to get just fans who want to pander to what you're saying because they want your attention. And maybe that's get, what you're up for. You're going to get guys like me. I'll be here. <laughs> so, so for me, it just, it just paints them in such a negative way. And you know, we're all hockey fans. Yep. We're all Canadian hockey fans. So you already take a subject like, say, the Maple Leafs that's already exploded over hockey Twitter. And you bring in this negativity. Yeah, it's for clicks. Yes, it's going to get people on your site. Yes, it's going to rile people up. But to the people that don't click on it, all it's going to do is piss them off. Because you're constantly, if you're not a Toronto fan, yet you're constantly getting bombarded with Toronto media, it's going to, it's one more thing that's just going to push you over the edge when you're on social media and you're just like, okay, there's another, there's another article about the Leafs, you know, Tavares scored at practice. Like, oh my God. That was a big, you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not going to. The five-minute highlight package of Tavares scoring on an empty net in practice. Exactly, yes, right? Yes. But it's, it's, it, is a, it is a clickbait thing, but I think that uh, too much of that is just going to – it just paints Leafs fans in such a negative way. And there's some really good Leaf fans out there. There's some very knowledgeable Leaf fans out there that know that they had a team before Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner showed up. Yep. However – most of social media these days, you ask them about Matt Sundin, you ask them about Wendell Clark, you ask them about Doug Gilmore, you ask them about these kind of players and when they played and what it was like. They have no idea. They're the, the, these are the fans that cheered for their team to lose for years so they could get the Austin Matthews. I was at the draft and so was Blaine. And there were people in the audience that had signs that were saying, you know, tanked for Matthews or whatever else. And it's, 
I, I, I've been a Canadians fan my whole life. I've seen the ups and downs. I'm never going to cheer for my team to lose. I'm never going to cheer for them to lose, but at the same time, you want them to make the positive steps. And we all know nowadays the only way to do that is through the draft. That's right. You know, and as a Leaf fan, I can honestly say for years, for years, we watched all of our draft picks become players for other organizations because we constantly spent our draft picks to get players that we thought would help our team. Hello, That's true. That's Hello. True. You go down the list, there's there's Niedermeyer, there's Luongo. There's all these players that were used that were Leafs draft picks that became superstars for other organizations. So for Leafs fans that don't know that history and aren't a part of that history and don't want to pay attention to that history, you know, I agree with you. A lot of them think that when Marner, Nylander, and Matthew showed up on the scene, a lot of people, if you ask them where did Nylander play his first season, they say, no, he was with the Leafs the whole time. They don't remember that he played for the Marlies. He was buried in the Marlies so the Leafs could go on that tanking run to get Matthews. But a lot of them don't know that. They think they all came together in the same year. That's right. They all showed up the same year. None of them played in the Marlies. They all just walked on the squad and were fucking superstars. No, they, they, it drives me nuts. Same thing with Hyman. Hyman played on the Marlies. You know, a lot of these, Travis Dermott, I mean, some of these guys, they might know, but you look at the, the history and it's not there for some people. You know, you you look through the guys that played for the squad, whether it's one game or 10 games, 20 games. Ask a, a common Leaf fan about Owen Nolan coming to Toronto and what a big deal that was. And a lot of people don't even remember he played for the Leafs. A lot of people don't even remember that Eric Lindros finally had a cup of coffee with Toronto. Or Jason Allison, his slow ass, played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> you know? Hey, they got another slow ass in, in Joe Thornton now, so it's okay. <laughs> no, I think Joe yeah. Thornton's got more like, wheels like, than Jason Allison. <laughs> I had to throw that in there for the slow part, but I, I've always been a Joe Thornton fan. No, yeah. No, I Joe always have. I was great. a Joe Thornton fan before the beard. But you look at it, it's just we were just talking about the history, right? And the same thing goes for, for Haas fans, too. There's a lot of them that don't seem to understand that there were things that happened before Carey Price showed up. 100%. You know? There's all 100%. kinds of different, you know, I don't, I don't know. It just it makes me annoyed that everybody thinks that the only part of this team, the only segment that existed, is when these players showed up. You know what what happened to get there? I, I can tell you my fondest memories of the Maple Leafs growing up. You know, as a young teenager, was watching them play in the early two thousands. I can tell you exactly where I was. I was in Cole Harbor High at a dance when Jeremy Roenick blew down the wing and eliminated the Leafs underneath the Pat Quinn era to get out of the playoffs. And that was the end of Paquin, which is the biggest mistake for the Maple Leafs. But I can remember that. And, you know, and that's the, one of the most heartbreaking things. You talk to Leaf fans now, and their most heartbreaking thing is Liam Foodie scoring short side on friggin' Freddie Anderson. That's right. See, you know, see as, a, as a Canadians fan, I shouldn't know more about Leafs history than a Leafs fan. Yep. And, you know, I grew up in the East Coast, right? I grew up on the East Coast, and the only reason that I watched a lot of Toronto games is because my dad didn't speak and he d still doesn't speak any French. And he, I, you know, I was taking French immersion in high school, et cetera. So I'd watch games on RDS, no problem. He would just be like, put it on mute. I don't understand it. And I just have to say, dad, it's the same thing in French. When the puck goes in the net, we cheer. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, but I, I remember seeing, Sundin play. I remember seeing Tucker play. I remember seeing 
um, all these kind of guys, Hi Domi, etc. And Renberg, I know. Yeah, and you have legend Doug Gilmore. Exactly, but you talk, but you but you talk. You know, I like I was a Lindros fan, and I've still got a framed picture of him when he was a Philly. Yep. And I remember watch. I remember when he went to Toronto, and I was just like, "Oh, there goes his career." And I and I said the same thing. I said the same thing when Finuff went there. Eric Lindros is the main reason why Colorado won two Stanley Cups. Done. Boom. But like, what my point is is, you know, there there is much more than, you know, those three players or four players, however you look at it. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the way that we're treated with the media and the way that we're spoon fed everything, whether it be Montreal, Toronto, Colorado, you name it, it's not what you've done, it's what have you done for me lately. And the only thing that people go to now is all the lately, and that's the Matthews, the Myers, the Nylanders. That's the Shea Webers, Brendan Gallagher's, Johnny Druens, uh, Cock and Yemi, Suzuki. So that's, that's what they go for now right. because they don't want to say, hey, yesteryear. And you know what? Toronto was actually its own worst enemy itself for yesteryear because they never retired any numbers up until recently. You know, everything was just an honor. You know, your honorary number, honored yeah. number, this, that. So they finally embraced their own history and started to right wrongs, which I think were long, 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 long overdue. But and that's at a fault to them, right? I mean, and maybe that's the reason why some of the fan base feels the same way about looking back at the Kyle Wellwoods of the year, looking back at the Matt Stagians, or, you know, trading away Alexander Steen and Carlo Koliakovo for Nicholas Hagman. You know, you look at those deals – at the time and just what you felt. You look right. at a young Luke Shen getting drafted to the Leafs and thinking to yourself, why is he playing with the Leafs and not going back to juniors? They're going to ruin this kid. You know, and so and many Leafs did. fans at the time were like, oh my God, he's playing with us. He's a superstar. No, he needed to develop. Yeah. Trading Puka Rask for Andrew Raycroft. Let's just not. Let's just not. <laughs> but I mean, Hey, they brought in Phil the Thrill, man. That's all they needed. Hey, listen, I, I touched on the Phil Kessel trade. I mean, Dougie Hamilton, Jared Knight, and Tyler Sagan, basically for Phil Kessel. I don't think you'd do that uh, any day of the week. But Brian Burke needed a player to, uh, I don't know, leave his stamp, make his mark, I guess. Jason Blake wasn't enough. And, See, and on, I mean, that, you on that, I, I think – <laughs> I think the important thing is um, fans like to watch the team win. They hate to see them lose. And a lot of them don't spend the time to learn the, to follow the, the minor leagues, the juniors, follow their prospects. I mean, we're pretty in deep because we're, we're hardcore hockey nerds. Well, but, if you got a hockey podcast, you're pretty much one of those – you're the, yeah. you're the hardcore of the hardcore because you know where all your prospects are and you know what they're doing and when they'll make the team or when they won't or if they're a bust. You know that before and, anybody and gets two, this. Yeah. And two-thirds of our hosts actually can't pronounce the names of our uh, our, our players. <laughs> There's uh, nothing wrong with that, though. There's nothing, <laughs> listen, you and me and anybody else could be thinking we're saying it's right, and then five years later the player comes out and says, no, no, my name's not Johnson, it's Johnson. Kuka Kanoni? <laughs> that's awesome but uh I, I think yeah i think we pretty much exhausted everything we can cover i mean it's been we've been at it for over an hour 
We've used up a lot of your time. You're not even drunk yet, so that's impressive. Hey, listen here. I'm not a lightweight, okay, boys? <laughs> I just want to say Kuka Kanomi does not play for ass porn anymore. He, <laughs> he's been recalled from ass porn. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> boys, it's been an absolute treat. I mean, uh, I like all the stuff that you guys do. Uh, I show you guys out as much as I possibly can. I know you're Montreal Canadiens fans, but you're a good group. And I want to say thank you for the service you guys do for our country as well. So that's huge. Uh, the podcast you guys put out is huge, especially for Montreal fans. But as a Toronto fan, I'm born and bred to hate you, but I guess I have to like you guys. Well, we appreciate you uh, hate following us, I guess. <laughs> that sounds real bad. But uh, no, it's, it, before we let you go, you, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your stuff, how they can, uh, how they can find you, follow you chirpy a little bit because we do it it's fun yep. hey it's a good time you follow over at offside hockey talk it's at offside talk on twitter we're on instagram i don't remember the handle off the top of my head but you can find us by searching us we're on spotify we're on apple google you name it we're all over the place just type the name in it'll come up now it's almost christmas time and i understand you got some merch yeah we got jerseys for sale right now so with the offside jersey just dropped 50 bucks with your name number on the back shipped to your door. Not too bad. And we got t-shirts, mugs, the whole nine yards. So if you want something with offside on it, we might even be able to put a little Habs and filter mix in there and, uh, you know, do a little crossover. Why not? We'll, we'll talk gonna... offline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming on, James. We really appreciate you taking some time out and, you know, chucking shit at us. We, we really do appreciate it. And thank you very much. Oh, don't hey, worry, man. Nice. Hey, like, like I said to you earlier, we, I had you on for that emergency thing before the return to play. So I appreciate coming on yours. You guys are always up to come on ours. So I appreciate it. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No name hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. We here at Habs Unfiltered would like to thank you, all of our listeners, old and new, for tuning in. Please, click subscribe so that you never miss an episode of all of our shenanigans. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.